from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex episode of the day. On today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast, we have guest Mark Nolte. He's the co-founder and CEO of Start Talking. They provide online counseling and therapeutic services that can be done through HIPAA-compliant and encrypted video platforms. They offer behavioral health therapy services to EAP and insurance companies for their employees using teletherapy. Mark Nolte on the RiderFlex podcast. How you doing, Mark? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for joining me. Are you uh, in Denver? Or I see North Denver, right? Yes. Yeah. Just um, actually in Westminster, Colorado, just north of uh, downtown Denver. I appreciate you being on the show. I uh, looked up and, and did a lot of homework on Start Talking, so I can't wait to get into it. But before we do that, will you give us a little uh, you know, background about yourself? Give us something personal. Talk about maybe some family, where you grew up, where you went to school, stuff like that. Yeah, I, um, my hometown is Jefferson City, Missouri, which is the capital of the state, about town about 30,000. I grew up there all my life, um, then went to Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri um, from 74 to 78, graduated with a, just a general business degree, liberal arts business degree. And then um, uh, shortly after that, went to um, uh, my first job out of college was with J.C. JCPenney, uh, which is now filed for bankruptcy. Oh. And my first, uh, this first job as a manager trainee, after about five months, I got fired uh, <laughs> from JCPenney. And it was interesting because I went into the, um, the uh, HR person's uh, office and he said, well, Mark, you're really a smart guy, but, um, you know, you're just not a fit here. And I was kind of one of those people that were, you know, I always wanted to kind of change things or see if there's a better way and stuff. And they didn't want that. They just wanted someone who would be compliant, mm -hmm. who would go by the company book or policy or whatever. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that probably was my sign that I probably need to be an entrepreneur <laughs> because I'm not a very uh, compliant person. <laughs> and so that should have been my first inkling there, but um, did a couple um Business sales jobs. Um, when I started out of college in 78, you know, we just had uh, a landline and a typewriter with uh, carbon paper. Right. So um, it's been a long uh, process uh, converting over to the technology, but uh, I take great pride in myself that um, that I can adapt to it. Uh, you remember remember when it. we used to remember we in typing class when we had the little white out and we used to have to roll the paper up and put the little white out on the mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, my kids. Uh, uh, they're millennials and um, uh, they wanted to know what CC meant on an email. And I said, well, that stands for carbon copy. And they go, well, what's a carbon copy? You know, <laughs> I had to That's explain. To them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <it's> pretty good. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So, and uh, through the, and then uh, started out doing cold calling and medical or some sorry, business sales, uh, you know, going up to the top of the nine story building and working my way down, knocking on doors, selling, uh, dictation equipment is that what and, you were selling uh, okay okay great yeah sony dictation equipment and then um uh before that i sold um a company for acme visible records which is the um, movable files and, and color-coded uh folders okay <laughs> so which is all obsolete pretty much now so 
Right. But that was three years of business. And then I got into medical sales. I, I start my first job was with uh, Johnson Johnson selling okay. their products, using the operating room, um, working for a company called Ethicon, selling their mechanical staples used in surgery. Did okay. that for about five years. Was in started in St. Louis with JC Penney, moved to Little Rock, Arkansas for um to with uh, my first medical job with Johnson Johnson, then got transferred to Oklahoma City, was there about six years. Okay. And then decided to uh, move to Kansas City and start with a company called uh, Stryker Endoscopy. We sold all the video equipment that's used. Um, if you ever have your gallbladder out or your knee scoped or anything like that, uh, it's all okay. the video equipment that they use. So back then in 1989, it was, um, you know, pretty cutting edge stuff because uh, they weren't doing, they were opening the patient to do, uh, to um, take out the gallbladder and okay. to be able to take this the gallbladder out through the scope was um, really cutting edge stuff. And I remember talking to the general surgeons. I said, hey, we've got this course. You can learn how to do this. It was called a laparoscopic cholecystectomy, which is basically just taking the gallbladder out through your belly button, your embolitis. Right. And um, said, hey, we, you can train me on how to do this. And they go, oh, it's just a fad. It'll never take off. And, you know, da 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 da. Then about six months later, uh, these surgeons were coming up to me and say, hey, Mark, did you still have that course I can go to and learn how to do laparoscopic cholecystectomy? I said, well, sure. And I'm thinking, what, you know, what's the difference? What, yeah. what had happened is one person in, in Oklahoma City where I lived had gone to the course, a general surgeon, and he was booked for three months doing these procedures, and their caseload dropped off. And yeah. so and for, the listeners, calling, for the listeners, just to clarify, I think the reason that took off is because it kept the it kept you from having the scar across your belly, right? Right. Well, and the other thing too, here, here's another interesting thing is that insurance companies wouldn't reimburse for it originally because it was considered experimental. Well, then they found out, oh, the patient doesn't have to spend three days in the hospital if they can do it on an outpatient basis. Oh, and they can get back to work two or three weeks earlier. Oh, we're on board. So from an 18 month period, it went from experimental to that, they reimburse for it. And if you didn't do it laparoscopically or through the scope, <laughs> you had to justify why you didn't. Oh, needless to say, your sales uh, targets were being met at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I remember I was uh, working Monday through Friday and then on the weekends we'd do the courses and I worked three weeks straight uh, without a day off. And, you know, my wife at the time said, well, you know, don't you, aren't you going to have any time off this new job? I said, well, you got to make hay while the sun's shining. And, yeah, uh, some of the best years, um, uh, you know, sales wise and numbers wise, commission wise, that uh, that was. So, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I started my own uh, independent medical distributorship called uh, Mark Medical. Why? And why did you did you have an entrepreneurial bug at the time, or were you forced into that because of a job change? Why? Why did Why did that happen? Interesting. Great question. I was forty five at the time. Okay. And. Uh, not to brag, but I had a good track record, good resume. Right. And all of a sudden I was interviewing for these other jobs and, you know, it, um, no one was interested. And, uh, you know, all these guys that were uh, late twenties, early thirties were getting the jobs. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, finally the light came on. It's like, Oh, well, you may have had a great past track record, but now you're 45. You're, you're a has been. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I can find another job at 45, but probably at 50, I'm going to face the same thing or at 55. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I thought maybe this is time to kind of bite the bullet 
and yes. decided to come my own uh, independent medical distributorship. Can we take and a pause? Right? Yeah, can we take a pause right there for the listeners? Sure. That is that is such. Uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because that that does happen. You know, I know you know the companies aren't supposed to make hiring decisions on age and blah blah blah. Hey, let me just tell you for the listeners, it happens all the time. <laughs> In fact, I had an old mentor of mine uh, one time, and he got to be 55, and I remember him calling me. I think I was 30 or something at the time. And he had had a great career, but he got, he turned 55 and he could not land anything else. And he called me yeah. one day, he, he called me one day and he's like, look, here's the deal. He's like, I don't care what your resume says after you're 55, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> well, it was interesting because, uh, uh, I'm a uh, 64 now, but back in, or I was approaching my, um, uh, 60th birthday and I was frustrated with start talking and, had kind of had one of those weeks. I thought, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go get a regular job and, you know, get a paycheck. And I Googled what to do, you know, how to get a job at age 60. And okay. the first thing that came up, it says, unless you're 55 years of age or younger, forget it. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, well, I guess I'm back to being an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true for the listener. If you want to be an entrepreneur to, to give yourself a little protection from being laid off as an older employee, you might want to try to start a business in your mid forties or, you know, around 50 or so, because after you turn 55 or so, you're right. You get laid off. It's tough to find a job. I know because RiderFlex is a recruiting firm and we interview guys that are fit guys and girls that are 55 plus and older all the time that have been laid off and they have problems finding things. It's real. It's a yeah. real problem. So anyway, not to go down a rabbit hole, but okay. So you start your, you start your own thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So I started Mark Medica, which is an independent distributor, basically selling medical products using the operating room. So I basically, I just took my skills from working for Johnson yeah. Johnson and Strykonoscopy. And I, I hired, um, five independent uh, sales reps, all 1099s straight commission and to start a distributorship and, and started picking up as they say lines, different companies that used independent um, uh, representatives because it's cheaper to use an independent uh, representative than to hire a W2 employee. Okay. Okay. And these are typically smaller companies that maybe don't have the, the notoriety like a Johnson and Johnson or striker or something like that. And, um, but they want seasoned veterans that have been in the OR who know how to sell uh, products in the operating room because they don't do, have any sophisticated training. Basically they do, you know, with Johnson Johnson, I had eight weeks of training with, with these independent lines. You'd go in, maybe do a two day uh, training yeah. session on a product and that's it. You're on your own. Gotcha. Okay. So, and I, and I still say that, you know, the, the training I received in Johnson Johnson I still use today because it was so such a phenomenal uh, training experience. How long did you have this first business? I had it for about um, eleven years. Wow, that's pretty good. Did you ever have, did you have employees, or you just ran it yourself, your own little LLC? Uh, I had uh, I had one employee that was um, kind of my administrative assistant, and all the rest of them were independent uh, uh, reps. Nice, nice. What was your yeah. biggest year in revenue for the company? You remember? Um. I think we did about um, somewhere around um, 250, 300,000. Okay. All right. But for well, no, 11. I'm sorry. That is in commissions. Sales, it was over a million dollars. Okay. 
that's a pretty good run for 11 years. So that's pretty good. Now, by, so yeah. by then, now, so now at that point, you're like, hey, owning my own business is pretty cool. I want to, I want to continue to do that. <laughs> right. All right. How did that, how did you walk from that into, walk us into, to, to um, start talking, talk about yeah. the transition. Go ahead. Well, so I had the medical distributorship and this, I started in 2004 and um, not to get into politics, but Obamacare came about Okay. and it changed the business. I see. Um, that um, the reimbursement was not there. The commissions were not there. Mm. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall where the, the business was going. Okay. And this is probably um, around 2010, shortly after Obamacare was passed. And I thought, you know, I'm seeing what's going on in the industry, that the money's not going to be there. The commission's not going to be there. Um, it, they started restricting reps like myself being in the operating room because mm. of HIPAA compliance and all that stuff where I'd been going in all the time. Mm. And now it was very restrictive. You had to do these things called rep tracks, which basically is a credentialing process. You had to pay 50 bucks or hundred bucks for each hospital. You did that. It just got cost prohibitive okay. being a thing. And I thought, well, I can sit there and ride this thing till it's dead. Or I didn't really want to wait for the other shoe to drop. Okay. And I'm so glad I didn't. And uh, I went to a um, thing in Kansas City where I lived, and it was um, a Google uh, Fiber was the first city in the United States to get Google Fiber cable. And they were looking for things that would, uh, you know, would need a Google speed on the internet. And they did a, like a, a weekend uh, hackathon type thing. And they said, hey, Mark, would you be willing to, you know, lead up this group to do, uh, to do um, um, video uh, therapy on the internet, which is now teletherapy. Uh-huh. And, and the interesting thing at the time, this was 2010, I was diagnosed with uh, depression. You were. And okay. um, because of my own personal experience with depression, I, I tell people I was one of the lucky ones because I went and got help and now I'm one of the lucky ones because I live a happy and productive life. But it made me realize how antiquated the system was. And it was just ironic that I got asked to lead this group to, for, to do something for video therapy because I'm thinking if they really knew I was suffering from depression myself, they may not want me to be leading this group. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. So, wow. but how, so how, they, old were, how old were you at the time? And, w- and tell me about your, were you married with kids? Like when, when was this personally for you? <sighs> It's it's sort of issue you say that um, I got uh, divorced. Um, let's see, uh, about a year or two before that. Okay, so, so that uh, that probably played into the depression. I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> it, it, uh, ironically, uh, after I got uh, separated, uh, I got better. Interesting. So so it was the marriage that maybe was part of the issue <laughs> so but it okay. played a part of getting a divorce you know it was okay. one of the okay. several things so okay yeah so my kids at the time were um I had three kids the last one just graduated from high school so they were off in college and so mm. even if I had to stay married I was an empty nester and um okay and so okay. Okay. this is a good time to start it got you so you did this you did this talk the speech when they invited you right yeah, it was a week, well, it was a weekend hackathon. You come up with some kind of product, 
and you started on a Friday night and you went all weekend and then Sunday night you presented your product and they I, said, I oh, we're, okay. we're going to do a video therapy because it wasn't called teletherapy at the time. It's just like, okay. we're going to do therapy by video. And, uh, you know, I thought this is the future. This is where things are going to go. Interesting. And this would have been 2000, uh, actually 12. I think I said, well, yeah, it's been 12. So, uh, I met a part of my former uh, co-founder, uh, in Kansas City and we kind of started developing this, but we're, we're way ahead of the game. Um, you know, the good news people say, well, how's your, you know, my friends would say, how's your new, you know, business going? I go, well, the good news, we're early in the market. The bad news, we may go bankrupt before the market matures enough. Were you funding it yourself? Or was this all bootstrapped with you and all your co-founder? Okay. Yeah, all bootstrapping. Okay. And we you... did get in a, into a, um, accelerator that lasted for about three months. We got twenty thousand uh, dollars to do that, which is not really that much. Not that much, and you had to you had to give them a piece of your company. Exactly. Six percent. Ooh, six percent yeah. for twenty grand. Ooh. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You probably wouldn't do that again, huh? No. And that and that was <laughs> incorporated in the state of Kansas and, and I closed that corporation and moved to Denver uh, here and then reopened uh, uh, incorporated gotcha. state of Colorado as an LLC. Gotcha. Good move. <laughs> yeah. When you, yeah. when you, when you restarted the LLC in Colorado, was it by yourself or with the co-founder again? Uh, no, we, we parted ways. We're still good friends or whatever. Uh, he couldn't afford to keep bootstrapping. So oh. we just kind of parted ways. And so, um, can I take a pause right there? This is a good note for the listeners now. Sure. You know, I, I don't want to give out, you know, legal advice and all that. You make sure you call your you call counsel and get advice on things. But there, there are ways if you get yourself into a, a sticky situation early where you started something, but there's really no revenue there yet. And you gave away a bunch of equity and people aren't involved. Or maybe you had a co-founder that kind of started checking out and they had some equity or whatever your situation is. You can just close the business and restart depending on your situation. That is an option. If you want to do that, I encourage you to get some counsel on that just to make sure you don't get, you know, don't get jammed up, but it is an option. So good move on your part. Right. Yeah. Good move. Yeah. And so here was the interesting thing with my, the other co-founders. So my background is in sales and marketing. I'm just an old sales guy. Yeah. My co-founder, uh, he was, a um, a programmer, a tech guy. Yep. Which you needed at the time. Yeah. And at the time he says, we, we need to raise $1.2 million. And we need to develop our own video platform and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's like, we don't have any customers yet. And he says, and then we're gonna, it's going to take $200,000 to maintain this. And so I kind of was looking around and I said to, to this co-founder, I said, um, you know, there's this thing called Zoom out here uh, <laughs> that really looks like what we're doing here and, you know, if we want to develop our own program later, that's fine. But how about we just take this Zoom and, you know, get customers? Yeah, now, this get, is, get, this, get, get some revenue in. You can always pivot later, get some revenue going. There you go. And so this was September of 2016 that I signed up as the Zoom, a Zoom customer. And we had to have the HIPAA compliant encrypted version of it. So we didn't use the public version. I see. And um, you know, I'm thinking this is easy. It, it works. You know, they got my own, you know, support system. If there's any tech issues, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to go with this. And that's where we kind of, and I, I'm a sales guy. I just want to get business. A tech guy, I understand. He wants to build things. He wants to develop things. But it would have taken us forever mm-hmm. and a lot of money. And a then lot of money. a lot of debt. There's a lot, there's cheaper versions out there. So I, that was a critical yep. decision. Good move. Uh, and that's a little bit why we parted ways as well. Like I said, okay. we're still good friends. But he wanted to build something. And I understand he's a programmer and all that stuff. But I said, let's take something that's out there, a third-party solution, and get customers. Right. And that's kind of where we parted ways, and I became a customer, and like I said, with Zoom in September of 2016. And so now, do us a favor. Give us the Start Talking overview. For people that have never heard of it, give a nice overview of where it is, what it does, how to use it. Go for it. Yeah, so... Um, it is basically teletherapy, so people that may not know, it's like telemedicine, but it's um, for uh, behavioral health therapy. Okay. It's referred to as teletherapy. So instead of seeing your therapist in the office, you can do it by video. Which is great, um, especially, right. especially right now. We're recording this August 11th, 2020, right in the middle of COVID. So for, right now, it's really awesome, right? Yeah, and I'll have to tell you, if, uh, I'll have to tell you my story about COVID, too. Okay. okay. All uh, right. At the right time. Yeah, but I interrupted you. So go ahead, telehealth. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's telehealth. Um, so uh, it can be. We use the Zoom platform, which it's funny. A few months ago, before COVID, I had explained you know what it is, but basically now everyone knows that it can be used from any device, uh, smartphone, tablet, or computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we contract with independent uh, practicing therapists. Um, now we started in Colorado. I have 16 therapists here. Now we've expanded to. California, Texas, and um, we're looking to go to Arizona, Oregon, and uh, Washington, state of Washington. So if you have a therapist that you want to use, you have to use one that's in your state. Is that how that works? As, as ironic as it seems, the, the, therapist, um, the, pa- the therapist has to be licensed in the state that the patient resides. Okay. Didn't know so that. So if I'm licensed in Colorado as a therapist, but the patient's in California, but I'm not licensed in California, I can't do okay. teletherapy with them. Okay, good to know. All right. Yeah, so, so that's the reason why I'm, I'm recruiting from different states. So, All right, and it, is it an app that you download or do you just go to the website? Go, go ahead. Yeah, you just go to the website. Uh, you'll see the uh, 16 therapists there. We're actually up to 25 now, but we've got, we've got to add those on. Okay. Um, you click on their profile, they'll have a picture there and an inscription. You click on their profile, it has a short paragraph about their philosophy on therapy, what they specialize in, and all the EAPs or insurance companies they're connected with. And if you like what they have to say, then you can, uh, there's also some have a video. Yep. You can click on our booking widget, which goes straight to their calendar, and you can book a therapy session with a therapist online without ever making a phone call. Now, do so, I do I book that session? How do, how do I make sure the insurance pays for it? Do I have to fill out a bunch of forms? What what about all that? Yeah, well, you'd want to um, be you'd want to set an appointment with a therapist that accepted your insurance or your EAP, and it shows a list of the insurance companies or EAPs uh, they accept. I see. Okay, very good. Right. And and then when I book it, does the therapist they just bill my insurance? Is that super easy, or how does that work? Right. Right. With I'll, I'll use EAP employee assistant programs. Okay. Uh, usually with that, you get five sessions. It can vary anywhere from three to 12 sessions, but average is about five or six. 
they are already pre-approved. So you just go through how many sessions you need at the end of five sessions. And then if you need more, you can sometimes get more, but it's all pre-approved. The therapist just clicks a button to fill out a one page application online and sends electronically. So there's no paperwork to fill out or uh, scan or email. Wow. That's wow. Okay. See, now that's, that's great. I was wondering how easy it was. So if I go to starttalking.io, I look at the therapist list, I click on the person I want, I book a meeting. That's it. And then they, they do the paperwork. Wow. Yep. And there's no plain phone tag trying to say, Oh, I'd like to make an appointment with you. And the therapist yeah, calls right, back right. and says, Oh, I'm booked. How about Friday? No, I can't do Friday. you know, that kind of stuff. So, and I'm a baby boomer. And so my generation, you know, they still want to do phone calls or whatever, but the millennials, they do not want to use their phone and they want a simple process of doing it all online. Yeah. And agreed. that's why some of my older therapists I have to tell them, it's like, listen, you have to accommodate, you know, the current generation, the millennials as of this year are the largest working force. It used to be the baby boomers, my generation mm-hmm. is no longer the case. Mm-hmm. So whether you think it's right or wrong, you still, you know, you need to accommodate what the millennials want to do. And when I book the meeting, is it always video Zoom or can I just do it on the phone if I want? Uh, you could, you could call, there is a number you could call if you want, I mean, to do the video session, if, I mean, the therapy well, session. Yeah, yeah. If I'm booking a session, is it always no, it's video? Only video? It's only video. Okay, which yeah. it probably, because it probably should be, because it's supposed to replace the fact that you were going to see them in person anyway. Plus, right. the, therap- the therapist got to see your facial expressions and all that, right? Well, here's the deal. Therapists are seeing patients now in the office, a few exceptions, but who wants to do therapy with like this? Yeah. (laughs) With the 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 mask covering their face. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. And one of my therapists said, uh, yeah, one of my patients was crying, but I couldn't tell because I couldn't see behind his mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's a killer. I'd rather, I'm sure the patients would rather do, do it through zoom anyway. So, okay. Wow, very good. Good good news is you were you were an early Zoom user way before everybody else was doing it. <laughs> I was Zooming before Zoom was cool. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. I love yeah. it. Uh, okay. And one thing I want to share with you uh, is that we found out through a pilot program we did with an EAP that there's a 30% less cancellation rate or no-show rate with online therapy. Wow, I bet the, I bet the therapists love that. How do you yeah. – uh, now, are the therapists – contractors are they partners are they are they employees how do you have what's the business model the business model model is they're all 1099s they're all independent contractors in other words they have their own private practice they have their physical office location which um before covid we would offer you know not everyone's a candidate for teletherapy for teletherapy it's more from mild to moderate mental health issues i see so if someone has a severe mental health issue they probably need to be seen in person okay so our first tier of therapy would be do video therapy, but they're not a candidate. We did have the option of secondary therapy would be to do in an office. So, okay. um, and we um, give them a, a video platform, uh, HIPAA compliant encrypted video platform, Zoom. Okay. We give them um, access to a, a, a software management program called Simple Practice. Okay. Uh, we give that to them free. And then... Um, we have the booking widget on there. We can do videos for them if they want. We put their profile on the website. We do all the digital marketing and social media. And in return, we take an administration fee for each from each hourly rate. Okay. So so let me pause right there. So if I had my own practice, right? I'm a psychiatrist, whatever. I got my own practice. I've had it for years. 
I can also partner with Smart Talking and, and I can get additional clients from there because a client may click on Smart Start Talking, they'll look through the list, they may pick me as their, as their you know, uh, therapist, and then I get additional clients. So it's, it's a way for them to increase revenue uh, through this okay. additional platform. Okay. You're, you hit the nail on the head. I tell them, I said, let me fill the hours that you're not get, currently getting revenue in. Yeah, great. Okay, very good. Right. And then they just give you a cut, basically, an administration yeah. fee. And they don't, they don't pay anything until they make money. I mean, well, it's I'm, not like I'm asking yeah, for an upfront right. fee or an initial um, startup mm -hmm. fee or anything like that. Do, uh, they push, do they push current clients to the platform? Uh, we allow them to use the uh, Zoom video platform for their own clients if they want to. Okay, so if I had 20 clients, I sign up with you to get new business, I can move my current clients onto the platform too. Yep. Wow, why wouldn't, why, why wouldn't you do that? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the conversation. This brings me to my point. So I was talking, I've been talking to therapists for four years. Okay. about doing teletherapy before COVID. All right. I said, listen, millennials, this is how they prefer to do therapy. You know, uh, there's a 30% less cancellation rate. It will set you up with everything. And oh, all these therapists were like, oh, it's just a fad. I'll never take off. It's not as effective and da, da, da. Then COVID happened. And all of a sudden, these people, I've been talking to for four years, begging, they say, hey, Mark, I'm ready to do that teletherapy thing. And uh, can you have me set up by noon today? Uh -huh, I bet you I'm are. Like, really? I've been talking to you for four years now. You need to be set up by noon today. By so the they way, quickly by, became believers. By the way, I know I told you the uh, administration fee was X, but now it's Y, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, oh, so uh, it, it, you know, it paid to be early. And I, I read a book uh, about if it doesn't seem right or, or if you seem too early, you know, you're at the right pace. If it doesn't seem like you're, early or whatever you're probably too late in the story doing a startup i just watched the, i just watched the ted talk and i can't remember I, don't, I, I should be plugging it for the person but i can't remember it but uh the guy was uh, identifying the four primary reasons for startup success and he said it was the uh the funding the leadership uh the timing um, and something else. I'll think of it in just a second. Anyway, he was listening to the top four and he said, surprisingly, the number one reason that they really take off is timing. It's just timing. Yeah. If it's, and so perfect timing for you, my friend with COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad for the COVID situation and what it's done to people, but Hey, great for your business. So cool. Well, I, I feel bad because I don't want to sound like a profiteer. Right now. I hear you, but still, I mean, Hey, good. I mean, you know, it's, it's a blessing in disguise out of all the bad shit that's happening. So, right. You right. know, and if this I mean, means that, it's either this or they don't get therapy. Right. Because yeah, in California, yeah. they're not allowed to go in their offices there. So it's either they do video or they don't get therapy at all. Wow. So, you know, that's a dangerous thing. I mean, then, yeah. then you, that starts all kinds of other problems. Okay. And then wow. uh, just to demonstrate my point, who wants to do therapy like this? Right. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I don't want In the yeah, office. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you use Zoom? So great. Wow. Great. And, and it doesn't cost the patient any more whether it's copay or whatever it is, then they would have had to pay. Um, right. the, the doctor gets, yeah, they're giving you a little cut for the admin fee. So maybe it, it, it eats into their, you know, patient margin, so to speak a little bit, but 
it's a platform that they can use that drives additional new revenue. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, it's better than having zero revenue. In other words, let me fill the hours that you wouldn't normally be, um, that you don't have any patients scheduled. So you make, you can. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. You just continue to see your private patients and then whatever extra hours you have, let me fill those up with revenue patient pain patients. Okay. So I like the, it's a very simple model. I think it's great. Um, What's, what protects you from competitors and everything else? How do you, how do you battle that? Well, there's not to say that uh, competitors couldn't do this and I've had that presented to me several times, but here's the deal. You know, when someone comes to me, especially an investor, an angel investor and says, um, well, you know, what's your IP? Well, we don't really have any per se, you know, um, well, what's going to prevent someone like Google to do this? I go, well, you know what? Great minds think alike. I thought, well, how hard is this going to be? You just get a video platform like Zoom and they're going to be beating my door down. No, it's not the case. There's a lot of things you have to learn. I call it the psychology of selling to psychologists. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're not your typical business people. It takes, it takes a lot of work and there's a lot of issues mm-hmm. and bugs to work out that I figured that out. And they would take them probably two years to figure that out on their own. Yeah. Where, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's not as easy as they think. Uh, it, it never is right. Everybody, <laughs> people that haven't tried to start a business or people that haven't tried to build a brand. I mean, they really just have no clue how difficult that is. It, it is super yeah hard. Well, uh, how, how big is the company today? I mean, I don't know if you want to share revenue, but maybe like how can you give us just maybe, maybe, I don't know, number of employees, number of patients, however you describe your growth and size. Yeah. So we do, we have uh, 25 therapists on board now. Okay. Um, we do um, about a hundred patients per month. Okay. Uh, so, you know, if that's five sessions, that's what, um, 500 video sessions uh, a month. Okay. Um, okay. And the doctors and, uh, just pay, the doctors pay a monthly admin fee or do they pay by session? How do they, how do they pay? They pay by, by session. We take a percentage of their hourly rate. I see. Okay. Okay. Very good. And are you just growing organically or are you spending lots of money on marketing? How are you growing it? Um, you know, I, uh, I found out there's a company called, uh, this is a plug for, I guess, for Upwork. I got a, um, a person from Bangladesh that specializes in digital marketing. Uh-huh. And I said, I need a list of 250 people, or two, a list of 250 therapists in these states. I need a California, Texas, Oregon, okay. whatever. It's $5 an hour. It takes her 10 hours to get a list of 250 therapists. Uh, it cost wow. me fifty dollars to get a list of two hundred fifty ther- therapists. That is extremely cheap compared to buying a list, which is going to be several hundred dollars, if not maybe in the thousands. So that gave you your list of people to call and pitch to. But how about but how about online marketing? Are you just doing social media? Or are you doing pay per click? What are you doing? We're, we're I'm using HubSpot, and we're we're doing a um, uh, drip uh, emails. Okay. Uh, where we send out a sequence of <clears throat> emails, see. five emails. I see. Okay. Uh, are you planning on building an app or you don't think that's needed needed right now? You know, we're in the process of raising funds now. And if oh. we get the, we get the funds, we're looking to raise a half a million dollars. And if we get the funds, we would, we would do an app and, okay. and okay. do all that. But right now it's kind of piecemeal. We're taking third party applications and creating this platform. 
Is this what uh, you would call, is this what you'd call an angel round or friends and family or what are you calling it? Uh, it's an angel round. Okay. All right. Is this the first cash you've taken on then? First big cash? Yes. Oh, okay. yes. All right. So you bootstrapped it up to this point. Right. Right. Is it making now, you, go ahead. We're, we're, we're uh, breaking even, even. Just, we're okay, making just, revenue, we're making revenue, but we're breaking even. So we're is not that, comfortable. Is, is that breaking even including paying yourself or not including paying yourself? Not paying myself. Okay. All right. So I'm just thinking like an angel investor. I always like, I always like to clarify, like define breaking even. <laughs> yeah. Is that a, so, all right. So if you were paying yourself, you'd still be at a loss. But, so, all right. So right. do you mind me, do you mind me asking how are you, I mean, you, you made a lot of money through your other businesses. And so you've been able to support this thing. Like, how are you, or do you eat ramen noodles every day or how are you surviving my friend? Well, that's interesting because um, I started this in my late fifties and uh, I have a financial uh, advisor and he says, well, Mark, you know, at 59 and a half, you can start pulling out some of your 401k. Okay. And uh, that's what I've been doing in the last uh, four years. Ooh. It's just, yeah. Ooh, right there, right there's a pause. Everybody take a deep breath. Uh, not paying himself, dipping into his 401k to get this thing going. That's the kind of sacrifice you better be ready to take if you want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I hope you're not spending your own 401k money and giving away a bunch of equity to other people yet. No, no, I have 100% equity at this point. Very good. Okay, very good. And I'm sure when that first angel, when that first angel tells you the, the check that you, they want to write, you're going to be careful on how much you give away. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so why I would still like to own 50% if that's possible. How about 51? Yeah, 51. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, why 500K? Uh, that's what we're going to hire about five more people. All right. uh, we've, we've figured out exactly, you know, I need to duplicate myself. I need someone for business development. Uh, at least one of, one of me, if not more, because I'm doing all that. I need an administrative assistant to handle all these uh, EAP insurance contracts and to do all the contracts with the um, therapists when we bring them on board. And then uh, I would like to bring on some programmers too, one or two, to kind of develop that app and, and do some other things like that to make it more sophisticated. Have you thought about getting creative with some software developers and giving them a piece of the action on equity to get them to, to build some stuff for free? uh that's that's a possibility yeah okay all right you know angel investors they always get i always watch them they their eyebrows kind of raise anytime you're trying to raise cash cash just for payroll uh that's tough yeah <laughs> yeah uh you can and be we'll done, do more social media uh marketing and stuff like that too it, mm -hmm. we'll put more money into that so we can recruit more therapists okay by the way, have you thought about going to some of your therapists and saying, hey, why don't you guys be partners and I'm looking to do a cash raise and hit your therapist and see if they want to invest? Yeah, well, you know, nothing against therapists, but they're not, what I found out quickly is uh, they're not the greatest business people. <laughs> and they're great at what they were trained for to do therapists, but they're not the greatest business people. And because of that, they're not the best marketers of their practice. And that's okay. where we come in. Okay, now if I, listen, since I'm a business owner, Rider Flex, you know, as a recruiting and consulting firm, now that you've been on the podcast, in case I'm getting like depressed or super stressed out, do I get to use the platform for free? <laughs> I just uh, no, we'll have to charge you something. I'm just, I'm just messing around. Um, 
congratulations on getting it to where it is. Can I ask you a couple of entrepreneurial advice questions for anybody listening that sure. might want to might want to start something? You've this is your second business you you've had now, right? Um, I, I know we could do a hour podcast on the topic, but if you had to leave the listeners with a couple of pieces of advice, let's say they're aspiring entrepreneur entrepreneurs, but they haven't started yet, they haven't quit their job and started yet. What would you tell them today? Well, um, you know, I guess I had a little bit of advantage. Uh, the two previous medical jobs I mentioned, um, the last one, Stryker, was straight commission. So I was used to, uh, you know, only eating what I killed All right. type thing. So All I was right. used to living a little bit of that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're a person that's used to getting a paycheck every two weeks and getting benefits, you know, that's something you got to think about. And, uh, you know, um, it, whether you're married and you got a young family, whatever. See, one of the advantages I have is that at the time I, I got divorced and my kids were all adult children. So there, I, if it was only me, I was feeding. And so if I needed to eat pork and beans out of a can, I could do that if I had to. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different if you're married and you got young kids or whatever type thing. So I just say, say mentally prepare yourself for that. And one of the things that someone told me when I started my Mark medical business, they go, well, you know, you've uh, burnt the bridge. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you can't go back to being a regular employee. I go, what do you mean? I can, I can do that. He goes, no. He goes, once they figured out that you've, you know, that you can do this on your own and that you're, you know, kind of a, not a non-compliant person, uh, they're not going to hire you. Yeah. So. It, it it scared me a little bit, but uh, it, you know, there is some truth of that. But at the time, I was 45. Yeah. And um, so just there preparing some, for those things. There, There is some truth to that. You know, once you've been an entrepreneur, I, I can just tell you, as a recruiter, when I see somebody that owned their own business once or twice, and now they're trying to go back to being a regular employee, I'll just tell you right now, as a recruiter, my immediate thought is this. Okay, you've already tasted the fruit of being captain and you've already been an entrepreneur. It's going to be really hard for you to go back to just being an employee that takes orders from other people. It's going to be tough, really tough. And that that person interview realizes you're not going to be very compliant. That's right. No doubt about it. It can be done. So I don't want to scare people into thinking that, you know, once you become an entrepreneur, you can never be an employee, but but the person interviewing you, they are going to have those thoughts. So uh, be ready, be be ready for that. Uh, How about this? You said, you said your age earlier, so I'm going to bring it up again real quick. How old are you again? What was it? 64. 64. Okay. I mean, it takes a lot of juice to, uh, to run a company as an entrepreneur uh, and it takes even more to, to do it at the age of 64. So I commend you for that. I mean, it's not easy. Well, thank you. I, it's ironic. I went back to my 50-year high school reunion uh, a few years ago, and people go, well, Mark, when are you going to retire? I'm like, retire? I'm starting a new business. What are you talking about? <laughs> I love that. If, yeah. you could call, if you could call that kid uh, coming out of that school in Missouri back when he was 21 years old, what would you tell him today, knowing what you know? Um, you know, I guess someone like that, I would say, you know, go work for a big corporation 
uh, for five years okay. and, and get that great training in the industry you want to be in. Um, you know, it, it's different now than it was back then. Now they have entrepreneur programs in the universities and colleges. And at okay. first I was kind of like, eh, you can't, you know, you got to learn by the school of hard knocks, but I've been impressed with what um, they've been able to teach in the uh, university as far as entrepreneurship. But still, mm -hmm. I think um, working for a corporation, you know, let them pay for your training and get that experience and learn how the big corporations work and get that, you know, with me in the medical, they te taught us anatomy and surgical procedures and all that stuff. And I used that for 30 years till I uh, made the switch over to, to teletherapy. And, you know, then in your late 20s or early 30s, think about maybe, uh, you know, always be looking for the next opportunity or whatever uh, to, you know, become an entrepreneur. What's Mark's core purpose in life now? Uh, you know, when you think about it, when you have reflection moments, and I, and I know from experience, because I'm 53, and as you get older, you have more reflection yeah. time. <laughs> when you reflect back now, or, or, or you, you've, let me rephrase, now that you've gotten older, your core purpose has probably changed from what it was before. Now, what is it? At, at the age you're at, what is your core purpose in life when you wake up every day? Yeah, so, um, you know, what you described there, reflective, I call them come to Jesus meetings. You know, <laughs> sometimes when you're driving home or whatever, you've had a long day and you're thinking, you know, what am I doing? You know, this yeah. is tough. Right. Why am I doing this? You know, you kind of have a come to Jesus meeting yourself. It's like, I could go get a job and make a regular paycheck and all that stuff. Right. And um, part of it is, uh, you know, I'm trying to run a business here. And so I think about the numbers, but really, this is a social impact business mm. uh, that I'm, that was my whole thing going through my own personal struggles with depression. Mm. I realized there had to be an easier way and more productive way to get therapy. And that's why I thought of this teletherapy solution. Mm -hmm. And so my mantra is to make it easier and more accessible for people to get the therapy they need. That's great. And, um, That's great. you know, to take the stigma out of it. And uh, I belong to a group called um, the Stability Group. And we're all, there's about 100, 200 people now nationwide. We're all successful professionals who either have suffered or currently have some mental health issue, but have been on be successful. So I go around doing speeches to groups about uh, addressing the mental health issues and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, so uh, from my own past experience, and if I can help someone, you know, uh, get over that, especially men are the worst about getting help. You know, uh, yes. guys are like, oh, I don't have a problem, but my buddy's got a problem. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and actually, you know, have issues to get addressed. So that's kind of my mantra because I realize this is a, I mean, it is a business and we need to make money, but at the same time, we're making a service here that uh, can access, make it easier and more accessible for people to get therapy, especially in the rural areas of, of uh, the United States. I love it, my friend. If you can build a business, make a little money and help people all at the same time, that's a, that's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, I appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your time. It's, it's been a lot of fun. The Riderflex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. 
Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.